This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Hey, good morning. It is good to see you here at Christian Chapel. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here. If it's your first time or maybe first time in a long time, we're thrilled that you're here. You're joining us on the, the second week of a new message series that we're calling Not Impressed. And so over the next uh, couple months, we're going to be exploring how Jesus is not impressed uh, by our really awful moments. And he's not impressed by our really awesome moments. But he is moved to action in every moment of life. Whatever we're going through, he cares about it because he cares about us. And so we're going to kind of walk through some stories in the, the Gospels that tell us about who Jesus is, about how he interacts with us, and see what it teaches us about surrendering to his power, his presence, and experiencing his peace in our lives today. Uh, today we're going to start in Mark chapter 4, and actually we'll stay there the, the whole morning. There's a story there of Jesus interacting with his disciples in the midst of a storm, and I am both excited uh, and nervous for this morning's message. I'm excited uh, because all week as I've been praying and studying and preparing, there's just, I think there's a lot of good things that are in there. I'm nervous because last night I had a dream that I could not put two words together, and I kept falling off the front of the stage <laughs> while trying to preach this exact message. So um, I made it through first service this morning which actually then makes me more nervous for this service right now. So uh, if you will pray for my balance, mentally and physically, I would appreciate that. And I don't know, it might be a result of the uh, five peanut butter banana pancakes I had for dinner last night, but uh, they were so good, but so much sugar. So that might be the, the way that, uh, that we got there. But um, this morning we're going to talk about how Jesus is with us in every storm. Before we jump into that, we've got to kind of dispel uh, a myth that you might have been taught about following Jesus. Uh, maybe you've adopted it without really knowing it. Uh, but there's this idea that is prevalent and a constant temptation we face to believe that when we say yes to Jesus, life is going to go up and to the right, always and forever. Well, because I surrendered to Jesus, he's now going to make me healthier, wealthier, better looking. Um, he's going to make people like me more. He's going to make all of these knuckleheads in my life straighten up and just everything's going to be great. And then the challenge with that is sometimes that is our experience when we first start following Jesus. Because the difference of moving from a life of darkness into a life of light is so drastic and the peace that he brings is, is so serious and so pervasive that we do feel like everything is better. But if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to learn that he's told us, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be headaches. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be things that don't go your way. But he's also promised that he'll be with us in the middle of every situation that we face. And if we're not careful, if we believe that the myth that life with Christ always means it goes up and to the right, then when life starts to go down and to the left, when we start to ride kind of those roller coaster experiences, sometimes tragically we will walk away from Jesus right when we need him the most. And, and, and we'll get out there, and we'll see this morning, we'll get out in the middle of the storm, and instead of recognizing he's the only one who can save us, we'll just decide to do it on our own. And any time we abandon him, we set ourselves on a path of destruction. And so, so my hope this morning is we're going to work our way through Mark chapter 4 and just see a, a few quick lessons. We'll see that Jesus is not surprised by our storms. We'll see that Jesus is not scared by our storms. Excuse me, and that he has the ability to bring peace to us 
in and every storm. So if you have a Bible, Mark chapter 4, we're going to start verse 35. If not, it'll be here on the screens for you. Mark writes, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, the, the first thing we see here is Jesus is never surprised by your storm. So there's a, a little detail in there. It says that Jesus got in the boat and told them to set out for the other side. And so there's going to be these moments in life where Jesus is leading you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And our hope in every one of those situations is for clear sailing. Right? When, when you stand there with your spouse and say, I do, you are not saying I do in hopes that in 15 years you will both question why you ever were attracted to this person in the first place. Right? You're not saying I do thinking that in, in year 25 you're going to wonder, I wonder how hard it is to collect that life insurance. Right? That's, that's, these are not the thoughts that you have when you stand there and say I do. Like in, in all the weddings that I do now, when people stand in front, not in the church anymore, but when we stand out in some old barn, uh, you know, that's just what we do, because apparently this isn't good enough for Instagram. Um, but whatever, I honestly don't care. It's easier for me if you get married in a barn, right? I just wish my grandpa would have got in on that racket, because he had the rustiest old piece of junk barn that he could have charged you $7,000 to use for today. But anyways, uh, when people stand there, though, so we're out there and everything's beautiful and everything's lovely. What we're hoping is we are stepping off the shore of singleness. We're stepping into the boat of marriage and our dream is we're gonna sail these waters together hand in hand until the day that we die in our sleep just as happy and in love as we've ever been at any point in our life. And yet, that's probably not the experience for most of us. Right, you know when you're married there are storms that are going to come. And those storms are powerful because they're personal. And it really doesn't matter how much time you've had to anticipate them or plan for them. Like some of our college students, you guys are right in the middle of your freshman year and you, you launched out of home and you were so happy to go. And I, I remember my freshman year of college, two or three months in, somebody asking me, are you homesick at all? Like, why would I be homesick? I'm free. Right? Like, I am free from oppression. I am free from my parents telling me what to do all the time. I, about four months in, I realized I'm free from their finances. And then, then, then it got real. Right? And then all over those college years, you kind of have this dream, man, I'm just going to sail through. And then some of those projects you thought you nailed, it turns out you failed. Right? And, and, and those scholarships maybe you thought you were, you were going to get, they weren't guaranteed and they didn't come through. Or those friends you thought were always going to be there with you. That roommate that you planned to live together since you were in eighth grade and now it's eight weeks into school and you're wondering, I don't, I don't think I can make it through the end of the semester with you. Right? There's always storms that come. But what we learn from Jesus is Jesus knew on this day when he stepped foot in that boat, it was almost going to be swamped. And yet he still got in, 
And he still invited the disciples to get in with him. Because he wasn't surprised by it. He knew he was coming. But, but Jesus' foresight did not change the disciples' fear. The fact that he anticipated it brought them no peace when the storm actually came. And it, it's because when storms are personal, storms are powerful. So you and I can sit here this morning and we can mentally agree with the idea that Jesus tells us in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we say, yes, I know that is real. And yet, when the storm actually strikes your life, here comes fear, here comes anxiety, here comes worry. Why? Not because you didn't know it was coming, but because it's, it's personal. And those exterior circumstances, that exterior storm begins to create an internal storm. See, the, the biggest problem we face isn't necessarily the things that are happening to us, but the feelings, the thoughts, the worries, the fears that they create inside of us. This past week, uh, I had a repairman out to our house to, to look at an issue that I knew was coming from the day we moved into the house. I was anticipating it. I was uh, doing everything I could to prolong it as long as possible, and, and I had three guys lined up to come, and the, the first guy came out and he gave me a quote, and it was just, it was one of those like stomach punch moments. I'm like, are you, are you rebuilding my home? Or are you fixing a problem? You know, it, but it was that thing, like I knew in theory this was coming, but when it became a reality, suddenly now it's personal, and, and honestly now it's painful. Right? And you've had this, some of you, when you were teenage boys, most likely it was you, teenage girls, I don't know that I've ever seen them play this game, but uh, when I was a teenager, me and my buddies would play all kinds of variations of a game called How Hard Can We Hit Each Other? And we would do this on road trips, we would do this in school, we would do this, I've got one buddy, we got our class rings our sophomore year, there's one guy who went to high school who still can't straighten his elbow out all the way because I got him so hard and didn't realize I had that ring on and just got him right in the, you know, uh, so I was a great friend. Uh, but we would, we would play these games and so sometimes it was a how hard can you hit me in the arm, sometimes it was a who can get the best dead leg, and, and occasionally when we were feeling especially stupid, it was a uh, let's punch each other in the stomach. Right? Like maybe we'd watch Rocky or something and we were feeling really manly and full of testosterone. And here's the thing though, it doesn't matter how many sit-ups you've done. It doesn't matter how hard you flex. It doesn't matter how clearly you can see that fist coming at you. When it catches you square in the gut, it always knocks the wind out of it. It just does, right? And then you're left wondering, why did I do that? <laughs> What was the point of why, why, why you, you just don't understand? So here's the thing, with your storms in life, you know they're coming, and this morning I can tell you again and again and again, it's coming. You're gonna face some financial challenges in life. You're gonna face some financial difficulty. You're gonna have some physical issues. You're gonna have some relational issues. Anxiety's going to attack you at times. Insecurity's gonna attack you. You're gonna have some identity issues. And we can all sit there and say, yes, I know, and I know Jesus will be with me, and yet it comes, and when it comes, it's gonna pack a punch. And in that season, we're going to think that because this surprised me, God must not have a plan for it. Because instead of remembering constantly that we are made in the image of God, we're constantly remaking God in our image. And we think he's just as small, and he's just as weak, and he's just as insecure as we are. And we really do kind of have this fear that somehow he's in heaven looking down on us saying, I didn't see that coming. I don't know what to do. But, but the words you can be sure Jesus never says. I didn't see that coming. 
He's never once looked at your life and said, man, I, I don't know what to do. You weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to go there. You weren't supposed to marry them. You weren't supposed to engage in those behaviors. He's never said it because he always sees what's coming. If you've ever went into any kind of expert's office, in any arena of life, maybe you went into their shop, you needed their help, the words you never want to hear are, I've never seen that before. Right? You go to your doctor tomorrow morning, you're like, hey, uh, doctor, go ahead. Got this spot right here. It just kind of keeps getting bigger and stinks. You know, like, can you can you help me with that? You know what's terrifying? To have that lady scrunch her nose up, look in at your arm and say, I've never seen that before. Like, that's not encouraging at all. If I take my car to the mechanic, I'm like, hey, it's making a noise in the vicinity of the engine, right? That's about the extent of my diagnostic uh, expertise there. But say, hey, it's making a noise. And, and he pops my hood and he starts to look around there and says, hmm, I've never seen this before. And you know it's bad, like you know it's about to get expensive, you know it's about to get painful, your dentist looks in your mouth and says, I've never seen that before. You don't wanna hear that. You go to the marriage counselor and start to explain your problems and you're full of hope and they say, hmm, I've never seen that before. You never want to hear that and yet somehow, we believe the lie that Jesus looks down at our life, the one who told us to get the boat, the one who told us he'll be with us all the way across. We believe this lie that when the storm strikes, Jesus is caught off guard by it. Here's the thing, Jesus knew it was coming. And everything you're facing this morning, he knew it was coming. And he knew you would be here on September 15, 2019, to hear me say to you, Jesus is not surprised by the storms in your life. He's not surprised by the situations you're facing. He's not caught off guard by it. And so, unlike the disciples, we can allow his foresight to kill our fear. Because if Jesus knew I was going to be here, then he knew how to get me out of here. And so we're just going to come, we're going to rest, and we're going to relax, and we're going to say, okay, if he knew it, then he must have a plan for it. And as you keep reading the story, you see Jesus isn't just not surprised by your storm, but he's not scared of your storm. Mark writes in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? So the, the wind is blowing, the rain is pouring, the waves are crashing over now. We, you know, we're Oklahomans, so we don't have a lot of experience being on the water in storms. You know, like some of you, you've been on a pool raft, maybe, and it started to sprinkle a little bit, so you jumped out. Like, that's about, that's about our extent. Um, I don't know, how many of you have ever actually been on the water during a serious storm? That's about what I would expect, not hardly any of this, right? So, so we just, we really don't get it. Uh, but the disciples, they are... Some of them, at least, are professional fishermen. They've spent their whole life on the water. They know how you respond in a storm. They know what direction to go. They know how you turn the boat into the waves. They know what you do with the sails. They know all of these kinds of things. And in this storm, it's so severe that they, they literally think they're going to die. And in the midst of this terrible, awful, horrible storm, Jesus is asleep. Just hanging out. Now, now, if you're asleep during a storm, it's for one of two reasons. Either you firmly believe that storm poses absolutely no threat to you, 
or you are completely ignorant of the danger that you're in. Right? So Angie and I, we grew up in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, Tornado Alley, just like Tulsa. The difference is, for some reason, Kansans don't have the same sense of adventure as people in Oklahoma do. So we build something called basements into our house in Kansas. Because we know if big, swirling things of wind are coming, we'd like to be down in the earth a little bit, right? Uh, now in Oklahoma, I think we have the view of, well, that's just like a pre-casket. So you're just gonna get buried inside it anyways. But, but the basement is always the safest place to go in the storm. And so growing up, Angie and I had two different experiences. Her bedroom was on the ground floor of her parents' house. So when the tornado sirens would go off, she would have to get up out of bed, walk down into the basement, and wait out the storm down there. Uh, in, in the house I grew up in, we moved in, it was this unfinished basement. There were four kids, there were only three bedrooms upstairs. So my dad threw up a couple walls uh, downstairs, some very not up-to-code bedrooms, became the place for me and my older sister. And so we would sleep in those. And so my whole life, all I had was this little crawl space window that I knew there was no way I was ever gonna get sucked out of it. And so when the sirens would go off, my parents wouldn't wake me up. They wouldn't knock on my door. They wouldn't do anything at all. They would just let me sleep while they and everybody else came down and hung out in the living room. And so my, my whole experience of tornadoes growing up was, oh yeah, we sleep through those. There's no threat. So, so then Angie and I get married. We have two wildly different approaches to tornado sirens at night. She hears the siren and thinks it means you should get up. I hear the siren and think it means roll over to the other side and put the pillow over so you don't have to hear it anymore. You know, and, and so because of that, now, now growing up, my approach was based in security. I was already in the safest spot in my house. By the time Angie and I got married and had kids, all of our bedrooms were on the second floor of our house. And she began to explain to me that this was no longer a reasonable response to tornado sirens. That you can't just, and I, I tried telling her, like, honey, I'm undefeated with this approach. There's no need for me to wake up. What difference does it, you know, and, and, but she was helping me understand. When you, were, when you were younger, you were secure. Now you are just foolish, right? And you have kids. So get out of bed and let's get, and so, so we have, we've learned, we've adjusted. So now the sirens go off, we get the kids, they go in the closet, and I have, I have adopted the Oklahoma way, and I go stand on the back porch, right, and just try to see, like, take me Jesus. But whatever, you know, we, we have this. So, so but in storms, if you're going to sleep through a storm, you're either a fool or you know that storm is absolutely no threat to you. And what Jesus is beginning to teach the disciples and what he's beginning to teach us is that his power knows no ends. If you read through the first couple chapters of Mark, you'll see that he has already displayed his power over sickness as he has healed people. I mean, just multitudes of people received healing. You'll see that he has, has displayed his power over the devil as he's driven out evil spirits over and over again. And now in this passage, he is displaying his power over nature itself to the disciples. So Jesus steps into the boat that night knowing that boat is almost going to sink. Knowing those waves are going to be big and scary. Knowing it's going to push the disciples beyond their capabilities as fishermen. And yet fully confident that he's going to be in control 100% of the time. He is not scared of your storm because he knows he is always in control of it. Right? He, he's never going to freak out. He's never going to panic. He's never going to be afraid that, that he doesn't know what to do. But the disciples, they see his peace 
and they mistake it for apathy. They come to him and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And the enemy's going to do the same thing to you. You're going to be in the middle of an unexpected storm. Your heart is aching. Your mind is reeling. You're trying to figure out, how do I get out of this? How do I manage the consequences of it? How do I diminish this difficulty as much as possible? And in the middle of that, the enemy's going to come and begin to whisper a lie to you that if Jesus really loved you, his activity would be more obvious. If he really cared about you, these circumstances wouldn't occur. And the disciples, they're believing this lie. When they come to Jesus and say, don't you care if we drown? It's not a question. It's an accusation. And the disciples have allowed their fear to turn their faith into sarcasm. Don't you even care? We've seen everything you've done for everyone else. You won't even wake up for us. Don't you care? And, it, and we mistake sometimes Jesus' peace for apathy. We think, okay, well, maybe he does love me. Maybe he does see me. He just doesn't care enough to intervene. But never mistake the peace of Jesus for a lack of concern. Right? What we want a lot of times when we're really kind of uh, working ourselves up into a panic is we want other people to panic with us. Because it, it, it affirms and confirms what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And so we'll go and we'll start to pour our, our junk out onto someone else and say, I can't believe this is happening. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What should I do? And what we hope is that they kind of say, I don't know. It's terrible. You're right. Freak out. And they jump in with us. And some of us, we have friends like that. Some of us, we are that friend. Right? Don't be that friend. People think you're not helping anyone. But we, that's our expectation. And so when we come to someone, and especially when we come to Jesus, and we're just in full panic mode, his response is just, hey, everybody calm down. We can hear that and think, well, he doesn't love me. But it's not that he doesn't love you. It's that he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he is not the least bit scared or intimidated by what you're facing. See, when someone who is in control and has the authority and the gifts to intervene in a situation is at peace, that's not a sign of distance or arrogance. It's a sign of expertise. And that expertise should bring peace to your heart. My, my wife has been a, uh, an emergency room nurse for about 20 years now. And over that 20 years, I think there have been two times that um, somebody I know has been taken to the ER on the day that Angie was working. And so it, it's kind of both times happened. Once I was, I was at the spot of the accident, so I actually rode over with them uh, in the ambulance, and we, we saw Angie, and another time I, I met the ambulance at the hospital while she was taking care of it. And so I've seen my wife in all kinds of situations over the, the 19 years that we've been married. I've watched her um, as a mom, I've watched her in our home, I've watched her as a friend, I've watched her serve here at church. But only two times in my life have I actually seen Angie, the ER nurse, in action. And it was, it was amazing. Because she's a, she's a totally different person in that moment of crisis. Now, uh, if you know me, you know I am not the one you want when you have some kind of physical trauma. Right? I don't do blood. I don't do squeamy stuff. I don't do, like, if your arm's dangling, I'm going to say I'll pray for you from over there. Um, you know, and, and so I, I watched my wife in these rooms, and she comes in, and there is a calmness to her. That, that was almost alarming. Because in both these situations, I knew how serious it was, and I almost would be like, Angie, 
Stop acting normal. You gotta freak out a little bit. Like we're in the emergency room. You know what, if I'm coming in as the primary caregiver in that situation, I'm knocking over tables and I'm hollering and I'm telling that person, you're gonna die, I'm gonna die, we're all gonna, you know, just say, I mean, I would, I would panic with you. But Angie, it's, it's nurse mode. And if you've ever seen nurse mode, doctor mode, you know what that is. It's, it's the loud nurse voice that she switches into. How are you today? What brings you in? Do you see the bone? He's not deaf and I think it's his leg. Uh, like we don't, what, what are we doing? But she just, just right in, just no problem at all. She, she's just in her scrubs. Her scrubs that she hugs me in when she comes home. Yeah, I think it was after one of those visits I told her, you need to start burning those every time in the garage. We'll just buy new pairs all the time. Right? But, but for her, there's no panic. There's peace, and why is there peace? There's peace because she's got decades of experience and just knows this is what we do, right? So she'll get out those trauma shears and she'll cut off the shirt. She'll cut off the leg of the pants. She'll start assessing, she'll start working with the team. And, and for me, from the outside, it looks like you all are way too calm to be solving a problem this big. But they just, they just know. We've been here before, we've done this before, it's what we've trained for, it's what we've prepared for, we've got all the resources we need, we've got this. And then the other thing I've learned from her is, is if you're the one in there freaking out, they're just gonna kinda ask you to leave. So they can do their job and get right down to it. Now so the, the disciples, they're in this moment. And again, some of them are professional fishermen, they've grown up on the water. And so they have exhausted, like when the storm first strikes, the disciples are probably calm. Okay, here, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, let's move this way. One of them probably assumes uh, command, you know, he, he acts like he's the captain of the boat, starts ordering other people, but eventually this storm gets so bad that these, the professionals are now losing their minds. And they're terrified, and they're convinced we're going to die. So they go to Jesus and they say, don't you even care if we drown? And what, what's really, really encouraging, to me at least, is that Jesus gets up and he doesn't launch into this lecture to the disciples. Do you know who I am? Do you remember what I've done? But he gets up and he just speaks peace to that entire situation. See, when you get in the middle of a storm, Jesus isn't impressed by it because he saw it coming, because his power is bigger. But the other good news for us today is he is not impressed and he's not repelled by our tendency to freak out and try to control the whole thing. And even if our fear causes us to speak to him in some terribly, horribly disrespectful ways, he does not tell us, let's try that again. He doesn't tell us, can I have a do-over? Right? He doesn't use any of these tools that we use with our kids or anybody else. Instead, he just, he, he's not impressed by it. He knows, not only does Jesus know who he is in the storm, he knows who you are in the storm. He's not surprised that you've lost your mind. He's not surprised that you think the sky is falling. Because he knows how you're wired and he's just decided he's going to act. And so we see his ability then to bring peace to us right in the middle of the storm. It says in verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. See, it, it really doesn't matter how big your storm is. It doesn't matter how serious the waves, the wind, the rain might be. It doesn't matter if you've exhausted every resource at your disposal. 
It doesn't matter if you think this really will end in death for me. In that space, Jesus can come and with a word, everything changes. With a word, everything is quiet. With the word, everything is still. And sometimes he comes, just like he does in Mark chapter 4, and he speaks, and your circumstances are instantly different. Right? In a, in a moment, he radically changes the way that you look at your spouse. In a moment, he changes your circumstances. In a moment, he brings divine healing to your disease-ridden body. He can still do these things. But even if our circumstances don't change, he still comes to our soul and says, quiet, be still. See, the command that Jesus gives that day is not just a command to the wind and the waves. It's also a command to the fear in the disciples' hearts. He says, quiet. It's not just the wind. It's to their, do you even care? When he says, be still, it's not just to the water. It's to their soul saying, we're not going to make it through this. Jesus still comes with those same two commands to our circumstances and to our souls. Quiet, be still. When I am quiet, I begin to silence the voice in my head that says, God doesn't care about me in this situation. I begin to silence the, the voice in my heart that wants to exaggerate my circumstances. I begin to take away the power of my situation to, to build itself up past the power of Jesus in my life. When I am quiet, instead of hearing my words, I begin to hear his words. I begin to hear about his power. I begin to hear that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in me. I begin to hear that the God who saw this coming is the God who will see me through. I begin to hear that this not only going to take him by surprise, but he's not scared of it, and he's at work in the middle of it, that the God who brought me here will take me all the way there. But sometimes the holiest thing we can do is just shut up. We got to stop. And, and it's, it's both a, a physical, you got to stop running your mouth to everyone everywhere all the time about how bad your life is and how horrible everything is and I'll never see another way out of this. And as you shut off that voice and you shut off the internal voice, you're giving God the opportunity to begin to speak to you about who he is, how he's active, how he's working, how he is bringing peace right here. And in the stillness, you're reminded that he's in control. And, it, and so what that kind of leaves us with today is we have to answer this question, who's in your boat? Who's in your boat? Because we're, we're all going to find ourselves launching out from where we are to where we want to be. You're going to do it in your relationships. You're going to do it in your school, in your career. You're, you're doing it with your body, whether you want to or not, right? You're, you're on a path from where you are to where God wants you to be. And all along that way, we're going to face some storms and we're going to face some uncertainties. And what we have to decide this morning is who's in our boat. Because if the answer is me, I'm in trouble. If your answer is you, you're in trouble. Because the storm will come, and eventually the waves will get bigger than what we can handle. If the answer is Jesus, then we're in pretty good shape. Here's the thing. So, so the disciples, they're out there. And Jesus is asleep in the stern, right? He's just hanging out. And they are straining at the oars, and they are bailing the water, and they are yelling back and forth over the roar of the wind of 
what are we going to do and how are we going to get there? And the whole time, their answer is just sleeping in the boat. But they are still operating under this false assumption that it's their boat and they're in control. Jesus is there. All of his power, all of his majesty, fully God. The one who created the sea is riding the waves with them. But they look at him and they see a teacher. They look at him and they see a carpenter. And they think we know better than he does. We've been here before and he hasn't. So let him sleep because he can't help us here anymore. For some of us this morning, we're right in the middle of that storm. But we have the same view of Jesus the disciples had at that moment. Oh, he's here, but he can't really do anything. So I've got to fix my marriage. So I've got to sort out his finances. I'm the one with the education. I'm the one with the experience. I'm the one with the responsibility on my shoulders. So give me that oar and let me go. And you're straining about to drown. And there comes a moment in the storm where we just kind of have to give up. And, and we just got to understand that's more than a carpenter. That's more than a teacher. He's more than a religious leader. He's more than an inspirational figure. He is the power and the presence of the creator God with me right in the middle of the storm. The, ones who, the one whose breath created the wind can still it with the word. The one whose hand separated the land from the water can calm them with the word. And so if you're in a storm this morning, my encouragement to you today is to stop straining, stop paddling, stop bailing the buckets, and in that space, just stop and in humility say, Jesus, I need you. He's going to come and he's going to speak those same three words to you and to your situation this morning. Quiet, be still. And in that quiet and that stillness, he's going to bring a peace to your soul that goes beyond your ability to understand. And that peace is going to well up inside of you and it's going to overflow into the world around you. And I want us to, to take some time this morning. We're going to finish a little differently than we normally do. We're just going to take some time to respond in humility to what God is saying to us. So if you'll stand with me and bow your heads, I want to give us a chance to respond and pray with us. And the band's going to lead us. We've got kind of some extended time here this morning. So if you'll bow your heads, Lord, we come. We come to acknowledge our need. We come to recognize our weakness. waves are raging, the wind is blowing, things feel like they are out of control. I can't do this anymore. If that's where you are, we raise your hand so I can pray for you. There's no shame in that. Right? There's freedom in that acknowledgement. There's freedom in it. Jesus, you see us, you see our needs. God, you see our inability to solve our problems. Lord, today we come and we ask, first of all, for your forgiveness. Will you forgive us for thinking this life 
was our boat, that it was in our control, that it's about us. Lord, help us to see that if you're there, you're always the captain. If you're there, you're always in control. You control the direction, Lord. You control the speed. You control everything about our lives. So forgive us for isolating you to a corner. Forgive our arrogance, Lord, of thinking that we don't need you or we can solve this on our own. Especially for those who are here today They have been fighting They have been struggling They've been trying to make some forward progress And they're just stuck Holy Spirit Will you come today And grant us a spirit of humility I'm going to ask you to, to do two things Every head bowed, every eye closed If you're in a spot, you know Hey, the storm is real, the storm is threatening there's some stuff you just can't handle anymore. Will you make your way right down here to the front? And we're going to come down and we're going to kneel and we're going to pray a prayer of surrender, believing that God can lead us, He can guide us. But don't let your don't let your arrogance, don't let your pride, don't let your fear keep you where you are. But step out, grab the hand of the person next to you if you need to. Step out, make that walk down. Look, I'm right here with you. There's some stuff in my life. I don't know how it's going to go. But I know he's in control. And if you're able, whether you're at the front or you're at your seat, if you'll kneel with me, we're just going to pray. We're going to take a physical posture of humility, and we're going to pray that God will bring his peace this morning. Jesus, we come today to be reminded of your power and your presence. as a sign of our surrender to you. Forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for thinking we can paddle our way out of these storms. Forgive us for ignoring your commands, for disregarding your authority. Jesus, we come today in humility asking that you would remind us you are in it with us. You are leading us, you are guiding us. Holy Spirit, will you come and begin to bring your freedom? God, as your people humble themselves before you, will you release your love? Will you release your power? Will you break every chain of fear, every chain of sin? Will you break every bondage? Lord, will you set us free? We pray, Lord, that you would bring physical healing. We ask, Lord, that you would bring restoration to marriages. That you would bring provision. This morning, Lord, we come acknowledging we can't get there on our own. Jesus, we need you. We're longing for you. Will you come in your power and in your grace? The man's going to lead us in this song. I encourage you to respond as God is directing you, believing that he is with you in this storm. We're just going to take a few moments and let him speak clearly to us. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.